to win it. So, uh, what are we doing here today? Today, we are doing a tale as old as time, The Color Out of Space, by H.P. motherfucking Lovecraft. I know you're a fan. I'm a fan. This was a pleasure to watch, and I'm sure will be a pleasure to talk about. But, before we get into that, how was your week, man? Not bad. Not bad. So far, you know, pretty good. Yep, we are at the beginning. Monday, April the 6th day. I mean, last week. And it's been a while since we talked. We haven't spoken in like 32 hours. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's has been a while. I've just uh, gadded about, watched a few things. Still stuck in quarantine, except for Jordan is essential and still has to go to work. I uh, still have to go to work. I won't say unfortunately, because I am fortunate to have a job. Well, welcome into the bog. Welcome back, everybody. I'm sure there's so many of you. <laughs> I don't know where you're listening to this now. God knows where you found it. But we're currently available on uh, Google Podcasts and Spotify. We're being reviewed for Apple Podcasts. So by the time you listen to this, maybe we'll be finally up. I don't know. Um, you can check, I guess, if you got an iPhone. Or, you know, do whatever you want. You're listening to it, obviously. So congratulations. You found it. Just keep doing what you're doing. You can tweet at us, um, at Into the Bug on Twitter. We got some questions up there that no one has, has answered, which is, you know, that's fair. Maybe ask us some questions or, or tell us tell us how wrong we are about uh, our opinion on Color Out of Space. Or The Grudge. Go back and listen to that one. We were all over the place on that movie, so... Yeah, you, you may, in fact, never want to watch The Grudge after hearing us talk about it. But I think if you found a horror podcast, you've probably seen The Grudge. And I think that's fair. Don't expect too much out of us. We don't expect too much out of you. One, one thing I would like to, to correct in The Grudge podcast, we mistakenly assumed that The Grudge, or we, we mistakenly gave The Grudge the, the pleasure of, of being our uh, first foray into Japanese horror remakes. Turns out The Ring was actually two years before The Grudge. Womp womp. We fucked that up. But, you know, we're going to make mistakes. I'm not upset about it. I bet you've made plenty of mistakes, listener. Yeah, listener. I bet your life is in fucking shambles right now. Yeah, so check yourself. <laughs> or maybe you're a wonderful person. I don't know. I'm so Doubtful. <laughs> If you found us, you're probably not great. You've had to flip over a few stones, peel back some bark on a tree in the middle of a swamp. That's where you've come in contact with this beautiful podcast. Actually, if you're listening and you care at all, which you probably don't, if you do want to tweet us at Into the Bug, I'd love to know where you found the podcast at. Did you find it on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts? Did you find it on that billboard that we left in an abandoned town in Chechnya? Did our dads tell you about it through a Ouija board? <laughs> did 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 our dead dads tell you about the podcast? Are you being haunted by our dead dads? Let us know. <laughs> Joke's on you. So Color Out of Space, we've both read the short story this is based on, although it's been a long time for me. I don't want to speak for you, but... Oh, yeah. About 10 years, probably. Yeah, it's it's been about it's been about high school or something like that for me. So um, we're both readers of H.P. Lovecraft. This is not my favorite story by him, um, but I do like it. It was his favorite. Was it his favorite? Yep, this was in fact H.P. Lovecraft's favorite story that he had written. I figured it would be like one of the like Randolph Carter stories or something. What's your favorite Lovecraft story? You have a favorite? Oh man, probably Shadow Over Innsmouth. Probably going to be my favorite. 
Yeah, that's probably my favorite too. The uh, story written because H.P. Lovecraft was scared of race mixing. Not a great person. Not a great person. But we're going to move over that because we're not here to talk about H.P. Lovecraft as a person. We're here to talk about his contributions to sci-fi and horror. And by golly, he made a good one, especially with this movie. So this was directed by Richard Stanley, um, apparently produced by Elijah Wood, I'm just now seeing. Did not know that. I didn't know that either. Is it the same Elijah Wood? It has to be. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's probably not a lot of Elijah Woods. I like this movie. The acting and writing were all over the place, but I can I can deal with that. I was okay with it. I'm easy to please, though. I knew that we would differ here. I knew this would be a point of discussion. Because you are not a big Nicolas Cage fan, and I actually like Nicolas Cage. I haven't seen a ton of Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, I've seen a few. National Treasure? He was a treasure. Honestly, that's one of my guilty pleasure movies. I like that movie. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, yeah, Face Off, I don't know. I feel like I've seen more bad Nicolas Cage movies than I've seen good ones. You know, Every one of them, perfect. <laughs> okay, maybe. I'm speaking Have you seen Face Off? <laughs> yeah, I liked it. That movie sucks, man. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> yeah, his delivery. I, you know, I feel like I, I was watching the movie, and I came to the conclusion that whenever his character is calm and collected, that's kind of where Nicolas Cage shines. He's got that he's got that smooth, calm delivery, I guess. But any time that he had to show emotions at all, he came off as a weird caricature. It felt like he was using four different accents. I mean, it was wild. Well, his eyes get big, his mouth gets big, and it's like his hair stands. He's driven! He did these kind of Elvisy hand movements as well at one point when he was uh, screaming at Lavinia, the daughter. When they first got, he first got home from the hospital with the mom after she cut her fingers off. Uh, spoilers, by the way. <laughs> yeah, if you're trying to remain spoiler-free or you haven't watched this movie and you really care that it doesn't get spoiled, not the place for you. Go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come back after you've seen the movie, and then we'll have a jolly discussion about it. From the past. <laughs> the plot. Um, I'm not. I'm not really too worried about comparing it to the short story. I think that making a direct interpretation of the short story probably would have been a mistake, especially for the budget this movie had, which Wikipedia reports was 12 million period pieces are not cheap, but I mean, I guess it was like one central location. It probably wouldn't have been that expensive to do. I just think they made the right choice here personally. Yeah. I thought they did a great job. Yeah. I'm not particularly worried about going beat for beat with, with the short story to see how they compare short story was good. I like it, but the, the director, used that as a jumping off point for his own interpretation of it. And I like that. Let's talk about the actors. Any of them stand out to you other than Nick Cage? Uh, the, um, that little boy from Haunting Hill house. He's pretty good. Yeah. I, I thought so too. And I, while I was watching, I was like, I know that kid. I've seen him in something, but being that he's a child, I know he doesn't have a huge long acting career. And, uh, yeah. Haunting Hill house. And, uh, I was a big fan of Haunting Hill house. So, think you were too i was yeah i liked it i paused the movie to take notes at one point and while i was paused i went ahead and, and imdb'd the kid because it was driving me insane and yeah i saw that he was from Haunting villas which was great yeah he kind of looks like Stuart little or the kid from Stuart. that's what see that's what i kept thinking in my head and i was like there's no fucking way <laughs> that was <laughs> like 20 age. years ago <laughs> like they they did some uh Lord of the Rings Hobbit shit to make him a kid again. <laughs> Andy Milanakis. <laughs> yeah, other than that, that was really the only actor that stood out to me. Oh, wait, Tommy Chong. Chong? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, man, Sean came out of nowhere. I, I hadn't seen, I'd only seen one like teaser for this and it was, it was rather short if I remember. And it was quite a while ago. Jordan had seen a trailer already. So he knew Tommy Chong was in it, but I was just watching the movie and they're like, oh, Ezra's the squatter on our property. You know, he lives a little bit away. Benny will show you the way. And they get to the shed and fucking Tommy Chong out of nowhere, man. Did not expect that at all. <laughs> and Tommy Chong's very top casted. Everybody knows and. He's just playing the same dude in everything that he's in. Yeah. I mean, the role fit well. He was like yeah. the uh, <laughs> the pseudo wannabe Native American spiritual hippie, right? He did great. Mm. While, while researching for this, I found out Tommy Chong has had cancer like three times or something, man. Did you know that? I did not know that. Maybe it wasn't three times. I don't know. I guess he had prostate cancer. Damn. It was after he had stopped smoking weed for like a year and he got diagnosed with prostate cancer. So then he just started using THC again. And now he doesn't have prostate cancer. Obviously, it's working. <laughs> not making any connections there because, you know, I'm not a scientist. But uh, I thought it was interesting that he got clean and then got diagnosed with cancer. Props to him. He's still acting. He's still making that paper, if you will. I don't know how much paper he's making on a, on a reportedly $12 million budget. but Yeah, not much off this movie. So let's talk about some names in this. I thought this was pretty fun. So the hydrologist, one of the first characters. Ward. I reckon that's a reference to Charles Dexter Ward, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lavinia. Yeah, he's used that name before. Oh, yeah. For, for any listeners familiar with H.P. Lovecraft, Lavinia is the name of the woman that summons Yogg-Sothoth in the Dunwich Horror. And births the titular horror, along with its twin brother, little Wilbur Waitley. Uh, a good boy, really. He, he's a little cutie. <laughs> um, this movie was shot in Portugal. Takes place in Massachusetts, but shot in Portugal. And I wonder if that's why they used alpacas. Did you think of that? You know, I didn't. Maybe that's, I just assume Portugal probably has uh, alpacas, with them being quite popular in South America. But yeah, I wonder if that's, if that's why. I like alpacas. They're cute. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? Especially when they're a mutated mass of disgusting terror. That's for later. Right. We'll get back to that. So, what did you think about Lavinia? I've got I've got a particular criticism about this character here that I think <sighs> you're going to understand pretty well. I thought, you know, uh, it was just a little off-putting with the whole Wiccan magic thing mm -hmm. set in the H.P. Lovecraft world. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, Lovecraft's very deep into the cult in all of his writings, but I don't know. that This has kind of stood out as more as, like, play fake Wiccan that you went to high school with and carried around a Bible with an upside-down cross on it or some shit. Um, so we do have similar experiences. Uh, yeah, the girls that we hung out with in high school probably, it, she struck a chord with me, you know? I knew girls like this. Um, not, not ones I was particularly friends with, per se, but I knew girls a lot like Lavinia in high school. Here's what I thought was weird. I've never once met a girl that was crazy into like Wicca and, and stuff like that that didn't want to live deep in the woods and eat home-cooked meals and shit like that, you know? Like, Lavinia complains at one point to Ward. She's like, oh, you know, why do I gotta live out here in the sticks? She doesn't say it exactly like that, but that's what she's getting at. Um, she hates the home-cooked food that her dad makes. She hates drinking from a, a well and wants to go eat processed McDonald's food. Maybe maybe part of what the director was going for was that, and it probably was. It just caught me off guard that this little uh, wannabe Wiccan girl was you know, dying to move to the big city and eat McDonald's. That's definitely not the kind of characteristic you catch in girls like that. 
Which apparently they just moved from city. Yeah, you think you think with her being into horses and pagan magic and stuff like that, she'd uh prom real estate. Yeah, she you think she'd be more into it, but apparently not. Yeah, she just felt a little I don't know, fake. Maybe that was the point. I I'm I'm gonna give the director the bench for the doubt and say that's probably what he was going for. Yeah, I mean I'm not saying she's a bad character. I'm just Yeah. I just wanted to point that out because I've just I've known a lot of girls in the in the same mold as Lavinia, and they would have definitely disagreed with her there. Too much pentagram, not enough Eldritch sign. Yeah, let's talk about that that corner bookstore, like Necronomicon paperback as well. Oh yeah, is that the exact like I've seen? That's the same one at Barnes and Noble. Yeah, I thought that was the same one, and that I believe has no connection to H.P. Lovecraft, does it? Wasn't that written by some other guy and? I'm not sure exactly, but I don't think he had much to do with that, if anything at all. I think the guy just kind of used the, the Cthulhu mythos as a jumping-off point for it or something. Well, H.P. Lovecraft came up with the Necronomicon. I don't even know if he came up with the Necronomicon, but he's, yeah, I mean, I know that the name is from, you know, from Lovecraft's work, but I don't think the content of that particular book itself has much to do with Lovecraft, does it? Not the content inside. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, Yeah, it kind of threw me off seeing, because... In the mythos, if if you are or aren't familiar with H.P. Lovecraft, in the mythos, there's, I believe, just one surviving copy of the Necronomicon. I'm not sure. I haven't read, I haven't read all of Lovecraft's stories, but yeah, it's as one far as I'm aware, yeah, book. I think it's the one written by, uh, yeah, the mad mathematician. Yeah, Wilbert Waitley stole it from the Miskatonic University Library, I believe, during Dumbledore. War. I don't know what happened to it after that, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it wouldn't make sense for a little teenager to have an esoteric book stolen by a, a inbred redneck but you know i don't know going with the uh, dom store necronomicon paperback felt it was a little strange maybe more power to her maybe she's a lot better of a witch than we've been giving her credit well witchcraft certainly didn't seem to do her much favor but we'll get into that that's why you don't invest in paperback <laughs> always buy hardback kids actually i never buy hardback i always buy hardback i never buy hardback they look better nice on my shelf, shelf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so another point I wanted to bring up, not really sure why, but at one point Benny is playing Universe Sandbox on his PC. Man, I've seen that too. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. My wife called me a nerd. <laughs> she has left the right to talk. Yeah, her of all people. So we got Ward just showing up as a hydrologist, ready to assess the land of their water. Yeah, the water table. I don't know anything about, well, anything, really. I'm a complete... About hydrology? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a hydrologist, funnily enough. I think they just want to see the different content makeup of the water, if it's palatable. <laughs> Is that what it was? Because I, I assumed he was there because the mayor wanted to build that... Uh, yeah, they want to build a... Hydroelectric plant. Yeah, so I guess they want to... I don't know, is there lead in the water? Is there... If they start digging in, what kind of minerals are going to come to the surface i'm not a scientist i'm not i'm certainly not i've just role-played one a few times in D. have not even done that i don't even believe in science i don't even vaccinate my kids so <laughs> your cat has plenty of vaccines you're right my cat is vaccinated <laughs> yeah so as, as far as the characters go um there's not a lot of them is there you get lavinia no. Then Ward shows up, you know, has a little chat with Lavinia, whatever. She goes home. There's the mom, the dad, Benny, the brother, Jack, the the much younger brother. The dog. The dog? The wolf dog. 
I forgot the dog's name, actually. I don't know, like Sam? Scooter? Hop? <laughs> Scooter? I think it was Sam. Uh, and then there's Mayor Tuma, Ezra, the the hippie, and and the sheriff that's barely in it. Yeah, that's about it. That's how they keep the budget low. Yeah, and you know, not going to complain about it. No reason huh. to have a bigger cast, really. But So there was a specific line early in the movie, after Lavinia comes back and gets yelled at for having the horse out without a helmet or boots or whatever. Uh, Nicholas Cage and the wife, um, I guess Nathan and Teresa, they're out on the porch after dinner. And Nicholas Cage says, his wife says, is this a dream, right? And Nick Cage says, a dream you dream alone is a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. And that shit sent me reeling. <laughs> it's like something I would have seen as a 14-year-old's as a MySpace status or something, which is one of the points. The writing is, is it needed a, another edit, I would say. It has a real sci-fi channel quality to it at points. What do you think? I thought their characters were... Uh... They were sweet, you know? I thought it did a good job of going, oh, here's a couple who's very close at a weird time in their life. Definitely the kind of thing you're you're going to forgive every time. I'm the only, I'm the nitpicky one here. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like I was watching The Notebook. I don't remember The Notebook well enough to really, I don't remember how good it was. I remember it being pretty good, actually. Oh, check that out on our uh, next podcast. So yeah, you've been introduced to the family at this point. You've been introduced to the hydrologist and lo and behold, a meteor hits. Yeah, so meteor hits, and they all kind of just go back to bed. I mean, Jack, the youngest kid, is the most affected by it. Yeah, he's got shock. Yeah. What was up with Benny, too? Do you remember him just, like, kind of drooling at his computer screen when it happened? I, yeah, I do, vaguely. Yeah, he just kind of stares at the screen and, uh, and drools, like, slouched over. And I don't really know what that was about, but the daughter slept through it. The two parents tried to bang yeah. through it. Yeah, she was asleep. Yeah. And the dog was just going crazy, like any dog would do. Yeah, as dogs do. Yeah, then Nick Cage just starts to get silly with some bourbon. Can't blame him. No, no. Like, if there's ever a proper time to get a drink, <laughs> when a meteor crashes in your front yard. <laughs> the wife seems so upset about it. Yeah. But I did really like his line. He's like, as opposed to what else should I be doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? He's going to go dig it up with a shovel? Throw it over the hill? The flaming hot purple radiated meteor. Yeah, and this is your first, the first time it shows you the color out of space, which apparently is magenta. Yeah, it's, I don't even know what magenta is. Jordan's, Jordan's an artist, so he's got all these fancy color names. I just thought it was purple. Or I watch Blue's Clues, and that's the name of the other dog. Uh, I've never seen that show, so. Okay. Well, tune in for our next podcast. Um. <laughs> Throw it out there, I've seen Blue's Clues. I don't want to get fucking lit up on Twitter for not knowing what the mail time song is and shit. Um, yeah, the... the <laughs> purple. I mean, you can't really expect um, expect them to create a new color outside of the human's perceptive spectrum. Perce- that Anyway. But, yeah. I thought purple was as good a color as any, I guess. I think Rotten Tomatoes would be mad that they didn't create a new color. Uh, certainly the critics on Rotten Tomatoes would be. Which, this actually didn't have terrible scores on Rotten Tomatoes. I know we brought that up in The Grudge as well. For no real reason, other than uh, Jordan likes to rip on Rotten Tomatoes and critics in general. And deservedly so a lot of the time. This didn't do too terribly bad. No. I don't remember exactly what the score was, but it was definitely better than The Grudge. Uh, which, I thought this was a much better movie than The Grudge as well. So, 
Well, I give it a thousand oranges and twelve apples. I like your scale. So, yeah. So the meteor hits, and Nick Cage has a drink. The wife's freaking out about the youngest, like a good mom. And then everybody goes to bed. Yeah. Then everyone's like, "Oh well, we'll deal with this tomorrow." Next day, mayor and the sheriff show up. Did you notice that the the I think it was a little after that, actually, the next day or something. But the news van had the elder son, the the one that H.P. Lovecraft wrote about in a letter. Not the not the elder son, like, from the, the board game and stuff, but right. the one that just looks like a branch. Yeah, the little leaf. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, yeah, it's like a, it's an elder branch, I believe. But, yeah, that's on the side of the van. And it also shows up, you know, during the news broadcast. I thought that was a neat little, little nod. Also... Fuck, it's a good time to point out Ward's Miskatonic University shirts he wears throughout the entire movie. When he's not zipped up, yeah. But that was cool, too. He used to have a sweet Miskatonic University shirt. I don't know what happened to that. I still got one somewhere. Yeah, so the news crew shows up. (laughs) I like the scene a lot where the family is in the living room watching the news broadcast and Nick Cage is freaking out because his hair looks like shit and he accidentally sounds like a raving alcoholic, you know? Oh, yeah. The, uh, well... it's clear that you know the mayor wants that land. They want Nick Cage to sell or move. They don't care because they want it. That's where they want to build the hydro dam. So I think what she was doing is she, you know, had the reporter cut it to make him look like a loony. I don't know if it was clever cutting or just Nick Cage's character spacing the fuck out because they're like, you know, were you sober during the event? And he's like. I mean, I'd had a drink of bourbon. It's good bourbon. It comes out of Texas. <laughs> it looked like a real interview that Nick Cage would yeah. give. It, yeah, it's it simultaneously very Nick Cage and like any dad who would have ended up on the news for this. He's like, oh, yeah, I had a bit of bourbon. It's my favorite bourbon. It's from Texas. I had a drink after dinner. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, it was perfect. I actually really liked that scene. What we skipped over, though, on accident there is the scene where the where the mayor shows up and it was before the news crew and Nick Cage is like, well, you know, last night me and my wife were being intimate for the first time since she had cancer. Why the fuck did he bring that up to the mayor out there to survey a meteor? Yeah. Weirdest line in the movie potentially for me. That was so fucking weird. Yeah. News crew shows up at my house. That's not what I'm bringing. (laughs) Not, not bringing up my, my dead bedroom for sure. Or, or my wife's cancer. Yeah, but Cage is going to cage. You know what I mean? He's caging around out there. So I hope he ad-libbed that entire scene. <laughs> Not to mention, also, the scene I'd like to point out that's happening is the oldest son continuously pokes this meteor, saying it's hot. And this scene goes on throughout the entire thing. He does not quit. The babble between, between, the, the, between Ward and, and Benny definitely was... It was like just say whatever I, I feel like that's what the director he was like just fucking say whatever and he was like okay fuck it's hot <laughs> like i don't know play around with the meteor and he's like okay hot it's hot somebody go get an egg crack it right on that meteor see what happens what about when nick cage called the alpaca's udders boobs what do you call alpaca udders i would assume udders right i mean i think i think you could call them boobs maybe as a joke it didn't feel like a joke because of the uh the delivery it was he was crouching down and he was like it's not like milking a goat you gotta really grab the boobs you know and uh i've never milked an alpaca but i have milked a goat weirdly enough mm-hmm. and you probably have to mm-hmm. um i can't imagine it's that different no surely. i can't no it can't be that hard 
But that, it's also implied that he's, you know, new to this kind of life, and he's been listening to audiobooks on how to run a proper alpaca farm and grow vegetables. Yeah, that's that's true, actually. I completely missed that. You've got a point. Maybe he just doesn't know to use the term udders or teats. Maybe udders is exclusive to cows. I really don't know. We're going to show ourselves for idiots here again. Yeah, so all you alpaca experts out there, tell us, boob, udder, teat. <laughs> Vote starts now. Yeah, which one do you prefer? Uh, and then he tried to get Ward to drink some some warm alpaca milk. I would have, I would have grabbed that scoop right there and drink up. If if I mean if Nick Cage offered me a ladle full of alpaca milk, I'll probably take it. But if some random farmer that I'm out there surveying his land offers me a a ladle full of alpaca milk, I'd probably still take it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say I'm not, I'm knocking him back. I don't care. <laughs> I just want to come home and be like Jordan. I just tried a ladle full of alpaca milk straight from the bucket, straight from the boob. So I was surveying some water the other day. <laughs> so at, it's at this point in the movie when you first kind of start to see things are not as they should be. Mm-hmm. This is when things start getting a little weird. I think I think this is also when the creature first kind of shows up, kind of like cracks out of the meteor. Are you talking about at the bottom of the well or whatever? Or, or like in the well, I think it was. I think that's the scene you're talking about. I actually had it like a bug comes out of it. Yeah, the little bug. Yeah, so I was wondering about that myself. I think I think Jack looks down the well and I know I I remember the thing cracking open and stuff. What I was confused about was was that just a mutated mantis from Earth or was that an alien mantis from the meteor? I I couldn't really Yeah, I couldn't tell what that I never even I never even thought that. I thought it was like alien mantis. But you you've got a point. It could just be warping the earth and a mantis just have get the purple stuff and yeah that's how i read it but i was i was wondering i wanted to get your opinion on that too so i guess we're both in the dark yeah i I like both of them either one pretty good which in the book the meteor if you will was like as hard as steel but also as pliable as play-doh was it yeah it was had a really weird makeup and in this it was kind of just a rock yeah and also, the timeline was much faster uh, in in the movie, which obviously it needed to be. Well, the movie spanned what a week at most. Yeah, and I think the the story that that the narrator tells you in the in the short story was like two years. Yeah, so. it was it was like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, there was some of those differences we were talking about. Also, the characters are different too. So if you're yeah. you're expecting Nicolas Cage's character and everyone to be exactly the same that it's just not gonna you're not gonna be happy about it it really wouldn't surprise me if nick cage was around just tormenting lovecraft in the 20s to be honest he doesn't age <laughs> i think i think maybe he was he might be the dunwich horror <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the next really the next scene with any kind of uh suspense in it is at ward's camp when he hears something wrestling in the woods and he shines the light, and there's like the the air kind of shimmers, like like the top of oil or like the outside of a bubble, you know? Right. And then the car like turns itself on and off and stuff. I thought that was I thought the I thought the bubble kind of effect. It's really cool. I think the effects all around in this movie are actually really good for a what we can tell to be a twelve million dollar budget. Oh no, yeah, I thought everything looked looked good. I didn't have any complaints. Yeah, this is only two million more than the than the budget information that we found for the Grudge twenty twenty, and this is infinitely better than that uh, all around. Maybe I don't we keep comparing this to the the Grudge. I keep comparing it to the Grudge, but 
I can't I can't help it. Oh, the the practical effects in this were really really good. The CG was passable, and it was pretty sparing for the most part, aside from like lighting effects that aren't really that hard to pull off, uh, I guess. But there's like a couple of times where there's a CG creature, and it definitely isn't great, but it's nothing that's going to ruin the movie. Anytime they did practical effects, though, they were great, I thought. Another little head nod that they did was, and I think it was right at this time in the movie, is when Nicolas Cage looks at the weather report, and they throw in Dunwich, Innsmouth, mm-hmm. Kingsport. Yeah, Ellsbury. Yeah, I had to Google. I had to Google those two, Kingsport and Ellsbury. I didn't recognize those two. Oh yeah, yeah. So I had to for for anyone listening, Ellsbury is mentioned um, in the Dunwich Horror. They say travelers often find Dunwich by taking the wrong fork at the junction of Ellsbury Park beyond Dean's Corner. And uh, Kingsport, I also didn't know. That's apparently where Randolph Carter grew up. The kind of I think Randolph Carter is like the self-insert character that Lovecraft has in a couple of stories there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and obviously Dunwich and Innsmouth are... Very popular. That was cool. <clears throat> yeah, I just I remember looking at the going, hey! Yeah, that was one of the spots I had to pause to take down Ellsbury and uh, Kingsport because I didn't recognize them and I wanted to make sure that I got, I got that. Yeah. So I think as that... It's in the same day as it progresses, then the wife starts freaking out, right? And she, like, cuts her fingers off? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's right around that. She's cooking dinner and, like, spaces out. She chops her fingers off. Definitely wild. Uh, that's when the kids start really being affected as well. Mostly they're just, like, getting... I think Benny gets confused a lot. Well, yeah. He said he, like, went out went outside and got lost. It all of a sudden turns dark. And from anyone that is familiar with the uh, color out of space, what what this thing does is it's changing the whole environment, time and space around these people. I was I was waiting for the right time to bring it up. I think now is is definitely it. You've watched Annihilation, right? Yes. I- anyone who's seen Annihilation, this is definitely going to seem a little bit familiar because the really the whole plot of Annihilation is this thing called the Shimmer. Uh, warping and twisting the environment to kind of suit I I don't remember the ending of the movie exactly but I think it was to kind of suit change the environment to be suitable for uh, aliens to live on earth right very color out of space esque but it should be noted you know the color out of space came out in 1927 <laughs> uh, whereas the book annihilation the book annihilation is based on came out much later than that clearly the author was influenced by the color out of space I don't want anyone to think this was like a you know, Annihilation knockoff, which I don't think anyone watching the movie is really going to think that. But. No, but that, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. I just wanted to point out the similarities between this and Annihilation, because, you know, some people got confused about A Quiet Place in that Bird Box movie, because, like, a Bird Box came out later, and they were kind of similar. But I imagine most people watching this are probably already familiar with The Color Out of Space. Yeah, probably. I would hope. I don't know. There's a lot of people stumbling around on Amazon right now. Hey, Nick Cage. I loved him in National Treasure. Yeah, that's true. Quarantine's a weird time. Then they watch this, and they're just going to be blown away. His delivery is more Vampire's Kiss than National Treasure in this one, though, I would say. Which, yeah, he... So as he gets more affected by the color, we'll call it, I guess he, he's bringing out his dad? Uh, Yeah, that's that's kind of how I read it. I imagine his dad was quite stern owned a farm and all that stuff. He was probably pretty hard on him. He was also kind of eccentric 
sounding. Like, yeah. And Nick Cage does this weird accent for it and delivery that is just off-putting. He sounds like someone doing a Nicolas Cage impression half the time in this movie, man. Um, and I think that it's meant to be read as his character, you know, descending into madness. And that's the way I took it. And that's why I didn't have a problem with it. The, the issue is just that I've, I've seen that. I, I, I've seen this kind of delivery before from Nicolas Cage in other movies and stuff like that, which I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It just seems, it seems so inconsistent. And uh, the delivery is so stilted, kind of like how I'm talking right now. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, a lot of people liked his performance in this. You included. You're not the only one. You know, a lot of people liked his performance in this, and uh, like Nick Cage in general. But I just can't. It's, it's kind of like I don't like. Uh, oh, fuck, I'm gonna get lit up for this. It, it reminds me of, uh, of the delivery that, that like, or, or the acting in Twin Peaks. Um, how it's kind of. I guess it's supposed to be bad and off-putting in like an unca- uncanny valley kind of way, if that makes sense. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I think I get what you're putting down. His performance kind of reminds me of that in a way. It just felt so weird. And maybe I'm alone in that. I don't know. Lock me up on Twitter. Go ahead. <clears throat> I will. Thank you. <laughs> it's just going to be me. <laughs> on our Twitter account? Yep. <laughs> so... Yeah, wife cuts her fingers off. Nick Cage rushes her to the hospital, leaves the kids to be alone in this farm 12 miles deep in the woods. I, I, you know, in that kind of situation, I'd probably just put the kids in the back. I'd take them with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 show, they showed earlier how isolated the, the house is because Nicolas Cage's character asks the mayor if there's anywhere open this late. And she says, yeah, you'll have to drive to Arkham and find someone at the emergency desk there. And he was like, so I need to drive an hour to take my kid to the, to the hospital. So, and yeah, and later on the kid, like you were saying, mentions that they're 12 miles in the woods to, to any like major highway. So yeah, maybe not the best place to leave your children alone without parental supervision. I, I get that. I think at least Lavinia is supposed to be kind of older because Ward appears to be in college or recently graduated college i think they're both in their late teens that's how i took it anyway i could be wrong i I took ward as probably like 23 24 and her probably like you know 18 19 that's what i assumed anyway because uh the dad didn't seem to have too much of a problem with them interacting and i know if i had like a 15 year old daughter and some fresh out of college kid came around sniffing i i would definitely put a kibosh on it you know what i mean oh yeah stop that yeah before before the Nick Cage and the mother return, there's definitely, you know, Benny gets weird, can't remember, he gets lost in the backyard, he can't remember if he put the alpacas away, or he keeps insisting that he did put the alpacas away, but they're still out. And they did a good job at that transitioning from daytime to nighttime to daytime, without ever mm-hmm. really bringing it up. So all of a sudden you see it in your back and it's like, wait, it was dark when they left, it's da- oh, it's nighttime again. Yeah, at one point, Benny mentions that he can't, he doesn't know how long his dad has been out in the car or something like that. That's the only time they really bring that up. But yeah, I like that touch too. And uh, during all that, Lavinia goes, she gets very sick, probably from the water, and she goes to throw up in the toilet. And all I could think was that her hair definitely dipped into the toilet water. Oh, yeah. She was. Definitely dipped into the toilet water. The head was in the bowl. Yeah, full blown. Yeah, so on on their way back from the hospital, Nick Cage and the mom run into G Spot, Chong's cat. 
Remember that little guy? Oh, yeah. That thing. Yeah, it looked like one of those meme horror drawings of Garfield <laughs> that people do on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, the thing was, uh, it was messed up. It was like cat mashed potatoes. So later in the movie, the hydrologist, uh, a guy shows him like some dead animals he found in the back of his truck. And it zoomed in on a bell around one of the, the just mushy monster creatures. And I, I took that as it was supposed to be G-Spot, yeah, right? That's, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, what I took it as, too. Because the last scene you, you've seen it at, it was on the road in front of Nick Cage's family's car. Right. Kim thought that it was Sam, the family dog. But I, I think... Oh, yeah. I think it was... Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it was because he was saying that all the animals were small, right? It was like raccoons and uh, cats and rabbits and stuff. Right, and they got a big dog. Maybe it was G Spot, but yeah, they do have a big dog, quite a big dog. Uh, But parents are out from the hospital. That's the point where Nick Cage's acting really got weird for me because there's there's the spot, the the scene where he's yelling at Lavinia. um, I'm not even really sure why anymore. But he's like doing all these crazy Elvisy hand motions and like nodding his head back and forth. I'm doing it in my computer chair right now, just so you know. I think that was him being his dad. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I mean, it def that felt like it was very unhinged, and it wasn't far after that Nick Cage sees. No, no, no. Maybe it's just Benny seeing the uh, alpacas in the barn and getting really spooked out because they were starting to to transform. But Nick Cage wants to leave, and he gets in his car, and it won't start, and he beats the shit out of it, like Ryu on the special stage of Street Fighter Two. Oh, yeah. You know? That scene was really good. There was no dialogue. It was just him screaming and, like, beating the shit out of his car. But I thought that was really good. We've all been there. Good acting there. <laughs> We've all been there. This is the spot in the movie where some gross Cronenberg body horror appears. This is when you really get settled into what kind of movie you're watching. It's like, it's what we've been waiting for. Yeah, I've seen. I saw people um, in interviews say that this movie was like had a slow start, or it was they called it slow burn. But uh, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't call it that per se. It does take a while to ramp up, but I would call something like The Witch, you know, or Suspiria, even maybe slow burn. I, I wouldn't call this particularly slow. Yeah, I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. But definitely, this is the spot where uh, things get a little weird. <laughs> so the mom and the youngest son jack they are i can't remember why i think they they see the alpacas maybe in the barn and they fall down in front of the barn and the color comes out of the barn and uh, holy shit um it fuses the two characters together into this just disgusting like the fly-esque classic body horror monster i loved it i thought the effects were great on that because they were gross you heard the Baby whimpering noises coming out of her back. The mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah. Every time they move around, it, it makes the the hand in the the bowl of skinned grape oh, noises. Yeah. You know, super gross. Very hard to watch. the The makeup was just fantastic there. It's it's then that Nick Cage goes out to the barn and and sees the big, you know, the the alpaca hydra, if you will, the the fused clump of alpacas. Which, again, was awesome. It looked great. The skin looked appropriately disgusting and moist, and, and uh, the noises that they were making. Bef- even before Nick Cage started shooting them, I thought, God, that was just so gross, so hard to watch, super sad. Especially how much Nick Cage was shown to love the alpacas earlier in the movie. Well, yeah, he calls them the animal of the future. 
<laughs> yeah, he was very protective of the alpacas, and here he is massacring them. Well, yeah, which that happens a little bit later on. What? The massacre of the alpaca. That's not. It's not far after uh, they move the mom up to the basement. To the attic. Yeah, to the attic. Sorry. He hears the. Uh, I think he hears the alpaca screaming, and he goes. He thinks. He thinks that killing the alpacas will stop the rest of the family from being affected. I guess, but uh, doesn't exactly. Yeah, he. You know, he's. He's losing it and grabs the family shotgun, loads her up with some 12 gauge, hops on out to the barn, opens it up, and you just get this great glimpse of a giant Texas Roadhouse roll with alpaca heads coming up. <laughs> Glistening with cinnamon butter and all. Shout out to Texas Roadhouse. Sponsor us, please. <laughs> <laughs> Being bankrolled by Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> Everyone was Texas Roadhouse. But yeah, this disgusting alpaca, and then he just loads some lead into it. Comes back up, and he's like, hey kids, I took care of the alpacas. Now I'm going to take care of mom. <laughs> yeah, right before he decides to, to ice mom, there's the uh, scene where Lavinia is, is giving the mom some water. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, she's slurping it, like lapping it up like a dog. Like a dog, yeah. Oh my god, that was hard for me to it watch. It was gross. Super gross, super sad to see a, a human, you know, uh, lowered to that that point. You know, that is rough to, to see. Especially, and it, no child should ever have to hold a bowl and watch their fused mom and brother lick it up like Nickelodeon Gak. And there's already a history of trauma there because it was, you know, the mom has had previously had cancer and survived that just for this to be her fate like that's rough that yeah that that was hard and then he asked the kids to leave and what this part stuck out because oh my god the yeah. son just kept being like love you dad i love you dad he never told the mom he never even made contact with the mom at that point and just I, I would out. say it's shock yeah i mean i wouldn't want to look at my parent like that either but um Lavidia obviously had, you know, issues. Didn't didn't want old dad, brain, and mom. No. Slash I mean, brother. Jesus. I, feel, I feel like at that point, it's it's just, what medical help could she have really had? They could have really had. But I, I guess it's also back at this point that the the color kind of takes back over. Because he, you know, he puts the shotgun down. And I think this is when he starts, mm. his mind starts warping into everything's fine. Because he's like, I'm going to well, go get you help. He kissed, he kissed the mom. Oh, and the, the slime or skin? The slime. Yeah. Yeah, that was fucking gross. And it was after that that he decided he like laid the shotgun down. And earlier in the movie, I think I think the mom had breast cancer. Because mm-hmm. earlier in the movie, she got when a they were trying to have... Yeah, that's... Was it confirmed or just implied? I think it was heartily implied. Yeah, because I, 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 she was like, I don't feel sexy. And he was like, you'll always be my golden girl. Uh, and then this part, when she's a gross fucking Cronenberg monster, uh, he kisses her and says, you'll always be my golden girl, my golden lady, whatever it was. And uh, that's love. And decides they're going to go on vacation. Yeah, He's like, I'm going to go get you help and we're going to go get vacation. It, it, from that point on, his mind is completely warped. Yeah, this is the turning point of the movie where where everything really goes to shit. I mean, it had already been going to shit, but this is definitely the yeah. Uh, now there's no turning the back. The last act. Yeah. 
So let's talk about Benny trying to get trying to get Sam the dog out of the well, right? Yeah, and then, you know, as a as a dog owner myself, like ah, I kind of felt bad. So he's like, I hear him. He's down in the well. But let me tell you, if my hundred pound bulldog is down in some scary well in the middle of the night with all this crazy stuff happening, I'm not crawling down in there for. Him. You don't think so? I don't know, man. <laughs> I've seen the I've seen the way you and Loki uh, behave. I think you might try. I'm not crawl. I'm not a great climber. So I'm not I'm not going to scale the wall of this well to get my dog out. We we would both drown. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I would get a winch. It didn't go well for Benny. <laughs> You'd need a winch for Loki. He's fucking huge. Uh, so Benny tries to get the dog out of the well. Did you did you notice the part where he tries to like put the goggles on like in a last act of of help? I don't know what good the yeah. goggles were going to do him there, bud. I don't I don't know what he was thinking. I think he was still hot. Still what? Hi. Oh, yeah, maybe. That would explain. He was lighting up all day. Yeah. I bet he gets it from Chong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I they imply that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. She. I, I, I remember the part where Lavinia says, I think she says, he's uh, smoking with Ezra. And then they move past it. And I was like, who the fuck is Ezra? Yeah. And they go out to the barn and there's nobody there but Benny. You don't know Ezra at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I forgot about that actually till just now. Yeah, he he crawls down in, and you just know nothing good is coming of this. And boom, yeah, that's the last time we see him. He's gone. Well, it's not the last time. Well, but we'll, we'll get to that as well. Yeah. So after that, the, isn't isn't Nicholas Cage making a drink at this point? Like, doesn't he go back downstairs and pour another drink? Yeah. So starts watching TV. It's it's after he so he goes outside. Uh, Lavinia and and Benny were trying to make an escape on the horse, right? But the horse runs off, and then they hear Sam in the well. And uh, Benny, you know, dies trying to get Sam from the well. And Nick Cage at that point goes out and grabs Lavinia and throws her in the basement with old mom, right? The momster, I've dubbed it from here on out. Because the mutation that the mom undergoes gets, uh, gets a lot worse right at this point. Uh, he throws Lavinia in there, and the mom is like, legit a big spider monster with the, the kid like stuck to her back and shit. Uh, and, and that's after that, he's like, feed your mother and, and then locks the door. He goes down and just makes himself a whiskey. Yeah. And um, he starts talking to the empty couch as if the mom is there. That's he's like, I'm going to take you to Greece. We're going to see, we're going to go to Rome. We're going to see the Coliseum, you know, all that stuff. And he put on her favorite movie. Yeah. And it was just static after like the first scene. Yeah. Did you notice his ice cubes every time he made whiskey? Uh, his ice cubes were like iridescent or like pearlescent, I guess. Yeah, they were shimmery. Yeah, they had a hint of the magenta. Oh, we glossed over too. A scene straight up from the short story. Uh, he goes and picks all these huge tomatoes and these ripe peaches and stuff off the tree. They're like a month early, and he tastes them all, and they all taste like shit. Yeah, they're all rotten. Yeah, that was actually straight up from the story. Uh, but anyway, after Dad locks uh, locks Lavinia back in the, ba- in the in the attic, I keep saying basement. Locks her in the attic, um, makes himself a drink. That's when the sheriff and Ward show up because they saw the horse running down the road. That's when they show up. They ask uh, Nick Cage. They're like, "Where's everybody at?" And he points to the empty couch. He's like, "What do you mean? Everybody's here. We're all here." Yeah, you can tell <laughs> Nick is gone. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Um. They hear Lavinia scream from the attic. They go up there. The sheriff knocks the door down. And that's when you, I think that's when you see the first like full shot of the momster. Like, I guess trying to eat Lavinia. I wasn't really sure because they were up there struggling for a while. And she never really made any progress. So, yeah, this is your first 
shot of what the mom has become. Yeah. We also completely glossed over the part where uh, Lavinia takes the 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 Barnes and Noble's Necronomicon and slices herself all up. You know, she carves all the runes into her body and stuff. Bleeds all over the book. Remember that? Oh yeah, I, guess I, I was thinking that was later on. Uh, no, right. that was that was before all this. She was. It was. Uh, I think it was when the mom got mutated or right before, but she tries to do all this like crazy protection shit on herself and does like a ritual. Yeah. She no, it's, Oh, I know it's right after Nicholas cage, like starts yelling at her and stuff. Cause then she, she's trying to do a spell being like, get me out of here, get me out of here. And she does some sort of Wikipedia black magic spell where she keeps like carving into her arms and on her forehead, bleeding into her paperback Barnes and Noble novel. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't work. I mean, we've all tried. Yeah. So Nick Cage busts in, puts down the monster, um, and they all they all go outside, I, I guess. And uh, when Ward walks toward the well, Nick Cage like pulls a bead on him, you know, and the sheriff puts his ass down. Well, Nicholas Cage isn't. He doesn't think that he's pointing it at Ward. He's seeing something completely different. Did he? I didn't. Yeah. I missed that. I must have looked away. Just wanted to point I that out. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I thought he was just fucking crazy at that point. Yeah, he's seeing like the massive light and stuff coming up out of, I think, out of the well. Oh, okay. So he's like aiming the gun at that, and then Sheriff's like, no! And then, boom. Shoots him right on the side. Gut shot. Boom. That's the end of Nick Cage. Or so we think, right? I did think, yeah. Yeah, at this point, the Sheriff and Ward try and go save Ezra because you know nobody knows what the fuck's happened to him in a while um and they they get to his they get, they get to his shed this little shed on the edge of the property and uh, I really like this part this was probably my favorite scene in the movie I think uh they open the door and you can see the back of uh Ezra's head and you can hear him talking but it's like warping and getting deeper and higher pitched and speeding up and slowing down and uh you know it pans around and Ezra's a corpse and you're actually listening to an audio recording that he had taken before the color had completely gotten him. And I wrote this down and I don't know if this is exactly one for one, but the quote was, it changes everything to be like the world it came from. It came from the the stars where things aren't like they are here. It's just a color. And then there's like some incoherent babble and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool. And this is your first scene where you actually kind of get an idea of what the alien is or where it came from. Or yeah. I mean, or at least its motive, I guess. Um, it never really explains why Ezra has this information. No, Maybe he's... it's just the hippie, like, you know, attuned to the universe kind of thing, but... Yeah, because he was making recordings of the ground. And, like, always trying to, like, listen in. So, they leave Ezra's, Ezra's shed after finding his corpse and listening to the audio recording. And uh, I don't know if this was meant to be a, a nod to Evil Dead. Probably not. But I got hype when I saw it anyway. The tree tentacles coming down and like just throwing the sheriff up in the air and like wrapping him around the tree. And oh yeah, they, he he was melding into the tree. I thought that was great. Yeah, I, he gets like stabbed by uh, a vine in the side of the head and shit. Thought that was awesome and uh, reminded me of Evil Dead. You know, I'm not saying that's what the director was going for. Just reminded me of it. I liked it. Yeah. So after that, after that, Ward makes it back to the farm and he meets the daughter again right and this is this is really cool as well he looks into her eyes and like gets a vision of the uh like an old one like the planet that the color came from and stuff 
It was like, it almost looked like a big kind of corpse mound or something like that, moving around, shuffling. There's a bunch of worms and... Mm. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was talking about earlier when I said we first see where, what the alien is or where what it was doing. But yeah, I guess that was a little later on. Yeah, he looks into Lavinia's eyes and gets that vision. So what I was surprised by, uh, and you know, this is the director's choice. I'm not not going to knock him for not going with that. But normally that's the kind of thing that just drives someone insane in a Lovecraft story, right? Yeah. I was surprised that Ward came out of that <laughs> relatively unscathed, aside from some gray hair. Uh, that we see at the end of the movie but so we've said it before but that is is definitely the point where the where the shit it, it's not just hit the fan it's fucking phased through the fan and splattered against the wall <laughs> at this point um ezra makes it back at, uh, i believe lavinia is there. she gets sucked like up into a huge tornado like going to space right and she gets disintegrated oh yeah yeah and then uh, Ward runs back in the house and Nick Cage is just sitting on the on the couch speaking to him in Lavinia's voice. And then the family, the rest of the family, who are all very fucking dead at this point, show up on the couch and like phase in and out. Super trippy. Super creepy. It was a good image. Yeah, very cool. Um, and he gets chased through the house by Nicolas Cage makes it to the basement that was previously known to be full of black mold. So, you know, I'm not saying that black mold is worse than an alien light trying to destroy everything around it. He's still going to need checked out, (laughs) but he needs to see a doctor. Make sure he doesn't have any, uh, you know, crazy stuff going on. It definitely gave him a headache. Yeah. And that's fuck. That's about it. You know, we may, I make it sound anticlimactic, but it was pretty wild to see on screen. It was a wild ride. Mm hmm. Um, he kind of crawls out of the ashes of the house. You see Nick, Nick Cage's skeleton. And he finds... Why, why did he find, do you think, the uh, the grandpa's compass that they had previously talked about at the beginning of the movie? I don't know. I thought that was going to come up again. but So he finds the compass, and then there's like a little bit of exposition explaining that the county kind of seized the land and uh, flooded the whole thing and made the hydroelectric plant that the mayor had previously wanted to buy the land for anyway. And Ward pulls out the compass that he found in the ashes. And I just, I feel like that's going to come back around if the director does get to continue the trilogy that he's, he was hoping to make. I would imagine. I'm excited. I hope he gets to. I I agree. And uh, I hope he does too. So last shot you get is the, uh, the bug that we were previously debating about. Yeah. The uh, mantis. And Ward has also picked up smoking at this point. Blame him. Can't blame him a bit. His hair is quite gray. I can't imagine it's been that long. I, um, Actually, I think I read somewhere that it's about three years, if I recall. Which, you know, he, he just kept trying to warn everybody, don't drink the water. And now he's looking at what is essentially contaminated land flooded. Yeah. It's, like, it's only a matter of time. I'm not sure if it was actually three years. I might have just made that up in my head. I don't want to. Three years, you heard it here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, he says himself that uh, he'll never drink the water. I would be moving far away. Well, he does live. I mean, I assume that he lives closer to Arkham. An hour away? Not far enough. <laughs> not f- um, yeah, if I've learned anything from Lovecraft's work, it's uh, it's just don't live in New England. He was terrified of New England. He's terrified of everything, man. <laughs> he was terrified of people that were 
a different color. He was scared of air conditioning. He was scared of water. And I mean, what wasn't he scared of, dude? He was wild. <laughs> Very neurotic. We got some good cosmic horror out of it. Yeah, we did. All of us, I mean, all together, though, great movie. Wild Rod, I enjoyed it. It was great to see some H.P. Lovecraft work. Get a good movie. Um, I agree. Absolutely. Hopefully the Dunwich Horror remake they're planning is just as good, or if not better. Because I don't know if you've seen the, like, 1982 one. I'm spitballing a date here, but it wasn't great. I haven't seen it. I actually just found out yesterday that the movie even existed. I've not seen a ton of adaptations of Lovecraft's work, actually. I've seen a few here and there and a few things inspired by it, but yeah, I've never... I, well, I have, but I haven't seen a lot of adaptations. I think the closest, maybe the, I guess, the best, quote-unquote, one that I've seen was that short film. It was like 30, 45 minutes, I think. Maybe maybe an hour. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, like, black and white movie from a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, so I got some quotes from an interview here from The Hollywood Reporter. Well, hit me with them. I will hit you with them. Without spoiling anything, does your movie's ending serve as a jumping-off point for where you're going to go with your next two Lovecraft adaptations? And uh, the director, Richard Stanley, replied, It does, because Ward, played by Elliot Knight, will continue on through the next two movies. The Dunwich Horror adaptation I'm working on now will probably take place seven years after the events of color, or someday in a future version of the Lovecraftian city of Arkham, which is where I'll continue to explore the concept of the old ones returning to Earth. I think these movies will climax in a battle between humanity and the old ones. I can't reveal the nature of the third movie beyond that. All of Lovecraft's work is in the public domain, so over the next few years, anyone could go forward and make their own Call of Cthulhu. I'm intrigued to see what the next two to three years will bring with Jordan Peele's Lovecraft Country and other upcoming projects. It seems to me that Lovecraft's time has come, and uh, they go on to ask, to wrap things up, uh, when do you start shooting your next movie? He says, I hope we'll be starting this fall. Currently drafting the Dumbwich Horror screenplay, and it's going extremely well. In fact, it seems to be writing itself. There's something about the current zeitgeist or the current world that we live in that is very favorable to Lovecraft. I don't know why 100 years after his death, Lovecraft's material has become so relevant, but I'm just going with the flow. I'm hoping we'll have the next installment in our Lovecraft trilogy ready by 2021. So, yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I, I enjoyed this one thoroughly. I ripped on the acting a lot um, and the writing, but, you know, uh, as a full package, I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty scary. The effects were really good. I hope they keep the same effects team. The story is obviously solid. Uh, it's good. I do too. I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. I'll be following it. Yeah, I like the Domachor. Degenerate incest witch family summoning some crazy spooky monsters and having babies and such. Who doesn't like that? Yeah, normal people, probably. <laughs> no, normal people, the kind of people that don't look for a podcast. Exactly. Which is why we're speaking to you, dear audience. Hell yeah, 2021. Hope to see it. So, in looking uh, for interviews and stuff like that, I saw that. Did you ever see the the Island of Doctor Moreau? Oh yeah. I believe the the I'm assuming it's the newest version of that. I think there's a couple, but it was the one with uh, Professor Lupin from Harry Potter, whose name eludes me at the moment. I believe. Originally, this director was meant to direct that movie, but uh, he got fired partway through filming, I guess, and they they started the project over. I think that James Franco was interested in making a disaster artist-esque movie about that. That would be cool. Yeah, so I'm definitely interested to see see what that's about. And I haven't looked any further into it because I, I didn't want to get distracted from looking up stuff about the color out of space, but I'm going to look into that later today probably because it was it really interesting to me. It was cool. It took me right back to high school, you know? 
Oh, yeah. Reading H.P. Lovecraft for the first time. What do we do now? We've done The Grudge. We've done The Color Out of Space. Well, we did many Grudge movies. What are you thinking for next week? Maybe give them a little sneak peek. Well, if anybody is listening and wants us to anything and talk about it, let us know. We've got plenty of time on our hands. Mm-hmm. We'll watch it. And we'll bring it up. We like to talk. <laughs> it's the only thing we know how to do, really. Yeah, we, we've been doing it our entire lives. And I think I've got it down pat. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, do you have any ideas? Anything you're, you're wanting to watch? I don't know. Uh, we'll certainly find out. Tune in next time on Dragon Ball. Ah, copyright. <laughs> Come back into the bog next week and uh, you'll find out.